0: I leave with great hopes. I leave with high
1: spirits. I leave with deep humility and ever deeper gratitude. Tonight, the messy beginning and the emotional end to the mayor's final day in office as the unofficial campaign begins to find his replacement. Good evening. John Tory has resigned as Toronto's mayor.
2: He officially walked away from his seat just a short while ago following a whirlwind seven days that began with his shocking confession. CTV Scott Lightfoot kicks off our coverage tonight. Scott.
3: I was right, John Tory says it was a job he loved. Minutes later, he walked away from it. He has left the building, at least according to staff. Nobody actually saw him leave. John Tory is no longer mayor of Toronto. He is now a private citizen. I've had a number of jobs in my life. It was John Tory's last official event as mayor of the city of Toronto, a job he has now left, exactly one week after admitting to an affair with a former staff member.
0: What do I want to be remembered for? I know my departure and its circumstances will rank high on some lists, but I do hope that in time other things will stand out.
3: Tory left his office just before 4:30 this afternoon to address reporters and then slip away quietly while the deputy mayor provided cover.
4: One question, Mr. Mayor?
3: Tory's last day in office started with that office being egged. It was a messy end to a messy week for the now former mayor of Toronto. But while the egg was quickly cleaned up, the mess left behind by Tory's abrupt departure will take longer to fix. I've decided that I will step down as mayor. So that... Last Friday night, Tory shocked the city in a hastily called press conference when he announced he was resigning. Fears of becoming a distraction came true during a raucous city council meeting this week where Tory's budget was passed, though not without opposition from many groups in the city. Following the vote, Tory announced his last day would be today. Throughout the day, Tory held a number of meetings behind closed doors, including with the city's medical officer of health and former city councillor Joe Cressy. For the most part, it was mainly the media waiting outside his office, though this man from Brampton came with a sign he said he hoped to present to the outgoing mayor.
4: And although I'm not from
5: Toronto, I know um, based on uh, the knowledge I have, he's done so much for the city and it takes
4: a lot, a lot of guts and uh, um, pub, 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 being a politician is hard.
5: In one of his
3: last official acts, the mayor released a letter to councillors saying to ensure good governance in our local government as part of this transition as mayor, I'm delegating authorities to the city manager, including the hiring of most senior city officials and the ability to amend the city's organizational structure. To council, I'm delegating the following authority, the hiring of deputy city managers and the city solicitor. For now, the city will be run by deputy mayor, Jennifer McKelvey.
4: I admire his sense of duty, his sense of honour. I admire how he's taken full responsibility and how he's, he's resigned. I think he used his heart and he looked to what was best for him, what was best for his family, and what was best for the city of Toronto.
3: An orderly transition of power was key, said the outgoing mayor. Well, I hope to be very much focused
0: on my family and rebuilding. I will be looking for other ways I can contribute in the days ahead. That's in my DNA. In the meantime, I want to say thank you to the people of the city of Toronto for the honour and the privilege of allowing me to serve the city that I've spent my entire life in and that I love so deeply.
3: Just after five, his security left the building in an SUV with tinted windows. Staff won't say how Tory left the building, only that he's now a private citizen. And the deputy mayor says the city clerk will bring a report to the next council meeting on what the next steps are to have this by-election to fill this now empty seat. We're told it will be the largest by-election ever held in Canada. Live, outside of a now-empty mayor's office. I'm Scott Lightfoot. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Scott. Now,
1: Tory technically remains mayor until council declares his office vacant, but the replace the race to replace him, make that, seems to have already unofficially begun. CTV's Mike Walker joins us now with a look at the potential candidates. Mike.
6: Well, Nathan, there are a long list of potential candidates seeking to replace John Tory, uh, including some members... Uh, CURRENT MEMBERS AND PREVIOUS MEMBERS OF COUNCIL WHO TELL US THEY ARE CONSIDERING IT, WHILE SOME WHO RAN AGAINST TORY IN THE LAST ELECTION HAVE ALREADY ANNOUNCED THEIR INTENTIONS TO RUN AGAIN. WITH THE JOHN TORY ERA OFFICIALLY OVER, ATTENTION AT CITY HALL SHIFTS TO WHO WILL RUN FOR TORONTO'S NEXT MAYOR. I'M EXCITED TO SEE IF IT EMERGES AS KIND OF A HEAD-TO-HEAD DYNAMIC WITH KIND OF QUASI-POLITICAL PARTY PARTICIPATION, OR IF IT'S A FREE-FOR-ALL FORMER PROVINCIAL POLITICIAN AND 2010 MAYORAL CANDIDATE GEORGE SMITHERMAN doesn't intend to run, but he says whoever puts their name forward will have three critical factors to assess. Whether people actually have the experience to grip the responsibilities because they're quite serious, Uh, organization and fundraising, and I think especially the capacity to actually energize and motivate people to want to vote. While the race to replace Tory hasn't officially started, Blake Acton, who finished fourth in the 2022 election, confirmed today he intends to run again. We have to move forward. Right now we're we're, we're stale and we've got all kinds of, like I said, we're in a state of crisis right now. We have to fix that. Joining the runner-up from that election, Gil Penaloza. I got almost 100,000 votes. So I have a commitment with all those 100,000 votes. There is no shortage of speculation about who is considering to run from current city councillors Josh Matlow and Brad Bradford. Wouldn't be a trip to Scarborough without stopping in at Patty King. Who recently made a social media post highlighting a different ward.
7: Raise your hand if you are not running for mayor. Not running? Not running. To
6: former councillors and deputy mayors Denzel and wong and Anna Biao, who tell CTV News she is seriously considering so to a Scarborough-Gilwood MPP, Mitzi Hunter, stating, I love Toronto. It's an important time for our city. That's why I am seriously considering it. People from across Toronto are reaching out to me. I am also reaching out to supporters. Stay tuned. Members of Council. Whoever runs, Smitherman says getting voters' attention could be an uphill battle. Voter turnout is traditionally low in a by-election. Perhaps leveraging the dynamic of wedge issues that really create motivation for groups. I think these are the kind of approaches that people will need to use. Perhaps even more challenging now after voter turnout in October's election reached a record low. So moving forward, the process could still take several months once the by-election has officially been declared. The nomination period could be anywhere from 30 to 60 days, and when that closes, the by-election will be held 45 days later. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Zoraida, back to you.
2: Thank you, Mike. Well, whoever the new mayor will be, they'll have a lot to sort through. The city faces problems with crime, affordability, and steering wheel-clenching gridlock. Our Allison Hurst looks into that angle for us tonight.
4: An air of anticipation swirls around City Hall as Torontonians consider what matters most for their next mayor.
6: There's a lot of uh, continuous uh, improvement that can be done here.
4: For Reeb Khan, a key issue is housing and affordability during a time of climbing costs.
6: It's crazy expensive, uh, especially for newcomers, international students or uh, recent or early career workers.
4: Others point to homelessness amid a mental health crisis and wanting to see this winter's 24-7 warming centres repeat next year. I don't think enough is being done to kind of help these people. But top of mind for nearly everyone is safety with violent crime on the rise. Investing significant resources into mental health and addictions would, would go a long way. Not every nail needs a police hammer under mayor john tory the city added uniformed officers to transit amid a spike in violence but this rider says it hasn't worked there's still things happening it still doesn't really feel like like we're actually safe we're more just on edge more than ever and many say it's still a challenge to get around
8: we have a volume issue i think we got lots of people that need to go lots of different places and we just need more more buses and all of that. Experts say
4: this by-election will likely be dramatically different from the election in the fall. People are in a
1: bad mood. They are cranky and I think that's going to be the fundamental characteristic of this by-election.
4: And likely lead to a new direction for the city. Alison Hurst,
2: CTV News, Toronto. Another issue the new mayor will need to address is violence in our schools. The most recent, a shooting on Thursday at Weston Collegiate.
1: The incident sent a teen to hospital fighting for his life. Tonight, police say they've made arrests in the case. CTV's Janice Golding joins us live from police headquarters with the update. Janice.
9: Hi, Nathan. Yes, Toronto police have actually arrested two 17-year-old boys in relation to this crime. They're not discussing a possible motive at this point, nor are they saying whether or not the person who was shot had any prior interactions with the suspects. It was a PD day at Weston Collegiate Institute, meaning students were safe at home. But yesterday, a very different scene. Frantic parents.
6: I did 140 from Richmond Hill to get here to
9: take care of my kids and traumatized students who were placed in lockdown after a 15 year old was shot multiple times in the torso in a lunch hour drive-by shooting in the school's parking lot.
10: It's alarming one shooting is too many but any shooting on a school property or in relation to a school or young people uh, raises the alarm bells even louder.
9: After he was shot the grade 10 student who had life-threatening injuries still managed to drag himself to the school's office where staff tended to him until paramedics arrived
10: feel very bad for the students i feel bad for the victim yeah it's sort of sad just sad
9: two suspects fled in a green hyundai which had been carjacked earlier in the day it was later recovered in peel region and this morning with help from peel police the integrated gun and gang task force along with the etf executed a search warrant at a Peel address
10: two male young persons 17 years of age were taken into custody and add safely a loaded 9mm firearm was seized at this location.
9: The two teens, who police say did not attend the school, have been charged with attempted murder and various firearms related offenses.
8: If police are sure this is who the perpetrators are, then I'm glad to see they're off the streets for sure.
9: People commit a crime, they have to be prosecuted.
4: I think that honestly makes me feel good,
0: but like the whole situation with all the stabbings and the like. All the shootings lately has, been, has made me a bit uneasy.
9: Police won't say if the suspects were known to them or if they were connected to the victim in any way. The 15-year-old student who was shot was transported via emergency run to a trauma centre where he remains in critical condition. In the meantime, the school is providing social work support to students both in person and virtually. Reporting live, Janice Golding. Now back to Nathan.
1: All right. Thank you, Janice. Ottawa residents were abandoned and there was a reluctance to become fully engaged. Premier Ford is called out in a report to the Trudeau government's use of the Emergencies Act
2: give you a live look right now at the city this evening. A crisp night to be out on the town but it is a calm cool end to a week that had a lot of weather highs and lows. Lindsay Morrison is now here with our look at our current conditions.
7: Uh, it's dry out there but it's chilly. It is cool Zarada. You know it's hard to believe that 48 hours ago our temperatures were still in the double digits and right now it feels into the minus teens. Minus seven degrees currently here in the city of Toronto. We've had some brisk winds coming out of the north today. A bit of a sting when you feel them especially considering that record warmth just a couple of days ago we've had some flurries around the gta some lake effect snow uh to the south of lake huron not going to amount to a whole lot tonight here's a look at your evening forecast it is going to be a chilly start to the day tomorrow as well we're going to take you through the family day long weekend forecast coming up but for now nathan i'm going to send it over to you
1: all right thank you Lindsay. two men are in custody after a string of robberies overnight that also saw one victim attacked Police say two suspects demanded a driver hand over his keys as he was parking a few blocks south of Keel and Finch last night. The report, a struggle ensued, and the man in his 60s was stabbed twice in the head by a large butcher knife. He's expected to survive. Investigators say the accused then carried out at least one more carjacking, two retail robberies, and a street robbery in a span of under three hours. Two men aged 29 and 42 face a combined 47 charges including armed robbery and assault with a weapon. A third suspect is still on the loose.
2: Provincial police are looking into the death of a Waterford senior. They say the 90-year-old was found dead in her home on Sunday. Officers were responding to a distress call at the time. An autopsy this week confirms she was the victim of a homicide. No arrests have been made.
1: After weeks of testimony and examination, a report into the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act was avoidable, but justified.
2: The door-stopping document says the Trudeau Liberals met the threshold for invoking the law during last winter's convoy protest. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver has the details.
8: The so-called Freedom Convoy was entrenched and Ottawa feared the situation would get worse so it invoked the never-before-used Emergencies Act, a decision Justice Paul Rouleau found today was justified.
4: I do not come to this conclusion easily as I do not consider the factual basis for it to be overwhelming. Reasonable and informed people could reach a different conclusion.
8: In a more than 2,000-page report, based on 76 interviews and hundreds of hours of testimony, Justice Rouleau said policing failures, a lack of preparedness, and an inability for governments at times to rise above politics led to a situation that spun out of control. But though extraordinary, it was not entirely unpredictable.
4: Had they collaborated more effectively, there could have been a different response To this unprecedented situation it's likely that such preparation could have avoided the necessity of invoking the emergencies act.
8: Rouleau says the act was a successful deterrent and it ultimately made the outcome less violent. Cabinet, he says, had credible and compelling evidence that the situation in Ottawa was a public order emergency.
4: Our job as a government is always to keep people safe, and invoking the Emergencies Act was the necessary thing to do to
1: remove the threat and to protect people.
8: But while the Liberals say they knew they were justified all along, critics say the act violated Canadians' rights. But it was not justified last winter and it is a dangerous power for any current or future government. While Rouleau said most measures were effective and appropriate, some fell short. Fifty-six recommendations have been put forward on issues from policing to federal intelligence collection and reforms to the Emergencies Act itself. Trudeau says he will issue a public response to these recommendations within a year. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa.
1: The report also criticizing the role the province played in the occupation, calling the Ford government's actions an example of the political dysfunction that made the situation worse. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now. And Siobhan, what else did the commission find?
11: The commissioner found, Nathan, that Ontario officials were missing from key discussions around planning uh, what to do about the blockade in Ottawa. And they found that if they had been willing to collaborate sooner, that blockade might not have gone on as long as it did. In the cacophony of big rig horns echoing through the streets of Ottawa night and day, The inquiry looking into the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act concluded one voice was missing.
10: To have a whole chapter titled Ontario's Absence just about says it all.
11: Commissioner Paul Rouleau writes, I find the province of Ontario's reluctance to become fully engaged in efforts directed at resolving the situation in Ottawa troubling. The inquiry heard Ontario opted out of planning meetings, dismissing them as unhelpful frustrating for opposition MPPs who call Ottawa home.
10: I really think Doug Ford needs to do a lot better for Ottawa. I think he has absolutely shown cowardice in this moment. I can't think of any other situation where in a time of emergency, a premier of the province has abandoned um, a region or
1: a city in the way that he did Ottawa. (laughs)
11: Commissioner Rouleau says it took a demonstration in another city for the province to get serious. It was not until Prime Minister Trudeau spoke to Premier Doug Ford on February 9th after the Ambassador Bridge blockade that collaboration became the name of the game. It is unfortunate that such collaboration did not take place days earlier. Rouleau says collaborating sooner could have also provided the people of Ottawa with a clear message that they had not been abandoned by their provincial government during a time of crisis.
10: He comes from the world of business. He understood what the Windsor Ambassador Bridge blockade meant to domestic trade. I think he got that. What I think he believes is that Ottawa belongs to somebody else.
11: A spokesperson for the Solicitor General's office writes in part... During the occupations in Ottawa and Windsor, our government was squarely focused on providing the tools our policing partners needed to bring the situation to an end, highlighting deployment of OPP officers and supporting local police services. But there, too, the commission flagged a problem.
1: You know, at one point, the solicitor general claimed they'd sent 1,500 OPP officers. When actual actually, she meant, well, 1,500
11: person days a statement rouleau says was ill-advised the commissioner says he was at something of a disadvantage in understanding exactly what the ontario government was thinking through all this since the premier and former solicitor general refused to testify before the inquiry reporting live from queens park i'm siobhan morris nathan back to you
1: thank you siobhan the auto show is back in toronto and the feeling is electric we take you on a drive into the future later in the show
2: the man charged in the deaths of two children at a Laval daycare will undergo a psychiatric evaluation. The request by Pierre Ni Saint-Amand's lawyer was granted by the judge during a court appearance today. The 51-year-old appeared to be struggling to walk and showed no reaction to where he was or what was happening. He was charged with first-degree murder and several other offenses after a bus crashed into the daycare last week. Six children were also injured.
1: And six people have been killed in a shooting rampage in Mississippi. It happened in four locations in a rural hamlet about 60 kilometers south of Memphis. The unidentified gunman reportedly went to a store, a nearby home, and then to a house where it's believed he lived. The suspect then drove to another home where he was arrested. There's no indication of a motive at this point.
2: In Memphis, five former police officers pleaded not guilty today in the death of Tyree Nichols. The officers were arraigned on charges of second-degree murder, aggravated assault, and other offenses. Police video showed them beating and kicking Nichols on January 7th following a traffic stop. The 29-year-old passed away in hospital three days later. His parents were at today's hearing and spoke afterwards.
1: I had to be here today to make sure that justice gets done for our son. This is a glorious day. This is the beginning of the
2: process.
9: They're going to see me at every court date, <laughs> everyone, mm-hmm. exactly, and um, until we get justice for my son.
2: The five officers are all out on bail. Their next court appearance is scheduled for May 1st.
1: Ukraine's president delivered the opening address at a security conference in Munich today.
5: We need to hurry up. We need the speed, speed of our agreements, speed of our delivery to strengthen our sling, speed of decisions to limit Russian potential.
1: Volodymyr Zelensky warned the gathering of about 100 nations that delays would play into Russia's hands. For the first time in two decades, organizers did not invite Russian officials to the annual conference.
2: In Ottawa today, MPs got their first chance to question the Canadian military about those unidentified objects in North American airspace recently.
3: We're still searching for those objects
0: where we have more questions, uh, which are the one in Yukon and Alaska, and hopefully we'll
1: find them so we can link Uh, or corroborate uh, what these were. The one that was shot down over uh, the coast of uh, South Carolina there, we had a very good idea of what what that was because this has been observed in the Pacific before.
2: Parliamentarians heard the Chinese spy balloon pass near several military bases in Canada and flew through radar gaps during its flight, but it did not pass over particularly sensitive sites. Today, the U.S. says all of the debris has now been recovered. The search for the object shot down over Lake Huron has also stopped. Nothing has been found.
1: The World Health Organization launched an appeal today for $84.5 million. The money will go toward the health needs of people in Syria and Turkey following the earthquakes. Crews rescued more survivors today, 11 days after the quake hit. At least four people were found alive. The process of clearing debris in towns and cities devastated by the earthquake is beginning. The combined number of confirmed deaths in both countries has surpassed 43,000. Millions of people are in need of humanitarian aid after being left homeless and without basic amenities.
2: Some of that humanitarian aid is coming from here at home. Volunteers with Toronto's Global Medic spent part of their day packing emergency kits for the survivors of the earthquakes. The kits contain essential items and food. The charity has already provided water purification units as well as tents to be used for field hospitals and temporary housing.
1: A major Toronto transit project has reached another important milestone. Metrolink says Humber College Station on the Finch West LRT is now structurally complete. With the building's skeleton in place, crews can turn to mechanical and electric work. Officials recently announced a similar update for the LRT stop at Finch West Station on the opposite end of the route. Construction on the future Line 6 is expected to be done later this year. The better way may be cheaper to get around, but you will likely feel cooler riding in some of the options at this year's auto show.
2: The event is back after a pandemic hiatus, and there is plenty for the public to take in. Our Austin Delaney is live at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre tonight with a look at how opening day is going. Austin.
0: Well, and they were biting at the bit to come in here. There was a lineup at noon when the doors were opening up because it's been three years. A lot has changed. Technology's changed. You're going to see a lot more e-vehicles. A last-minute polish because as soon as the doors opened, auto enthusiasts crowded into the convention center. It has been three long years since the auto show opened to the public. With COVID and stuff like that, I think we missed doing things like this you No, know, for a few years, not being able to do shows and have this type of thing around. There certainly is pent-up demand, and already this year's show is breaking attendance
1: records. So that tells me this a lot of people want to get back. It's hard to find cars these days. It's hard to find
3: them to, to see at your dealership, but this is where they're at. You can see not only the electric cars, but
4: all the new models that are available.
0: The overwhelming choice in one place is what brought Grace to the show as she tests the market.
4: We want to have a look, we want to sit, we want to speak with the people who uh, know the vehicles really well and get a feel for whether or not this is uh, something that we want to venture into right now, knowing that a lot of dealers don't have a lot of product.
0: In three years, the demand for electric vehicles has grown exponentially. GM offering its first luxury EV car in the form of a Cadillac that the public can test drive here. But all manufacturers are showing off EVs, including this Hummer. This year, Jeep is offering fun rides on an indoor off-road course with a mechanical mountain to give passengers that off-road feeling Jeeps are famous for.
12: I just thought it was really cool to be on all the different obstacles. I mean, I've never driven on anything like that, so... It was really cool.
0: The OPP has a flashy Corvette on display, but there is little chance you'll see it in your rearview mirror on the 400 series highways. Kerry, are
1: we going to see you in this Corvette on the road? This car is here for promotion purposes only. Chevrolet loaned it to the OPP. We dressed it up with OPP colors, and it looks fantastic. It's an amazing-looking car, uh, but sadly, we will not see it on the roads.
0: Also getting a lot of attention, the Project Arrow concept car from the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association. Fifty-eight companies are on it. Uh, everything bumper-to-bumper is Canadian except for the screens, which we couldn't find here. It was our uh, project to go out and show the rest of the world that we're making these fine automobiles that you can get all of the parts and all of the content from Canada. And only 64 2022 Ford GT Mark 22s were ever manufactured. Two of them are on display right here. Now, the show is actually a bit smaller this year. And that's because some of the big names aren't on display. Ford, BMW, Volkswagen, among those, I'm told, one of the reasons is people are now turning to online buying cars. We're playing live. I'm Austin Delaney. up.
2: Thank you, Austin. Still ahead, many people are still shocked by the news that Bruce Willis has frontotemporal dementia. Still ahead, we hear from experts on the condition and what it could mean for the actor's
12: future.
10: And I'm Pat Foran coming up on Consumer Alert. It's been a mild winter, so you may be wondering why your heating bill has been so high. Natural gas bills for many people have doubled over the past two years. What's behind the big price hikes? I love that story. That's just a hit.
7: It's the first long weekend of 2023 and many like to leave the city and head to some winter resorts. You'll find more snow in places like Collingwood, Muskoka and the Kawarthas. Nice for enjoying activities like snowshoeing. And if you're hoping to do some skiing, operators have done a great job of keeping a good base and keeping runs open even through this mild winter. Stay with us. Your long-range forecast is coming up. And we've got another night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
1: The temperature dropped below freezing today, but we have been enjoying one of the mildest winters in recent memory.
2: It's why you may be wondering why your heating bill is so high. Natural gas rates have been more than doubled over the past two years. Pat Foran joins us now with Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks,
10: Ryder and Nathan. We have been getting complaints about larger-than-usual natural gas bills. The war in Ukraine and increased demand are part of the reason for the hikes, but there's also been a shortage of meter readers. Some people finally getting an accurate bill are getting quite a shock. You know natural gas bills are high when they become a topic of conversation in the neighbourhood. Next Door Canada, an app that allows neighbours to connect and discuss issues, noticed the biggest topic of conversation was natural gas prices. It conducted a survey and asked, have you seen an increase in your natural gas bill? 93% of those asked said yes. Many shared that their bills have spiked $70, $100, some even nearly $1,000 compared to last year. Pretty shocked. Yeah, it's a big bill. Robert Casalato of Puss Lynch was shocked to get a natural gas bill of almost $2,000. Even though he was paying his gas bill every month, he was told there was a miscalculation and he would have to pay up. And I have no problem paying a bill if it's, if it's uh, uh, the right thing to do, but right now it just doesn't feel right
7: their estimates have been wrong, and so therefore they're going back
8: in time.
10: Paula Martinez of Brampton was also surprised to get a natural gas bill of more than $1,100. She was told her bill had to be readjusted due to incorrect estimates.
7: I don't think it's fair that they send customers bills for Thousands of dollars and just expect them to pay it.
10: CTV News reached out to Enbridge Gas and a spokesperson said bills based on estimates of past use may not accurately reflect current use. Customers are ultimately only charged for the gas they use. Some homeowners started getting huge gas bills last fall. At the time, Enbridge said a shortage of employees to read meters for billing purposes was to blame.
11: We don't have enough meter readers. Um, so that's caused to, you know us to have
9: to estimate for a number of months in some cases.
10: Enbridge told the Ontario Energy Board it's working to improve its meter reading performance. It also noted homeowners who use monthly equal billing plans should also expect to see increases in their bill. And Bridge did say natural gas prices have recently declined, so customers should see a decrease of about 8% on their gas bills this year. That's about $120 for the average homeowner. On your side, I'm Pat Foran.
1: If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca.
2: Top economists say higher fuel prices last month may have hindered efforts to bring down inflation. Canada's annual rate of price growth fell from its peak of 8.1% in June to 6.3% in December. But economists at TD and CIBC expect January's inflation reading won't follow that same trend when it is announced on Tuesday. The Bank of Canada says it's prepared to act again if inflation doesn't come down.
1: All right, to the forecast, winter is back, and for some, it was tough just getting the car door open.
2: Mm -hmm. I know anything really winter now, I feel like we have, like, less tolerance for it because it's been so mild.
7: It's so true. It felt cold today, and uh, as you were saying, Nathan, yeah, a very icy start to the day today. Zoraida, you saw something interesting in the sky last night. You were telling me about uh, uh, last evening. Last evening lightning and what? thunder. Yeah, and It was the strangest thing. I'm yeah. thinking, I just saw thunder and lightning in the middle of February. Like, what is happening? I know, and it was reported in southern Ontario not very normal for this time of year. Uh, what's not normal either is the record warmth that we've had recently. Uh, what's a little more normal, the temperatures we had today. But yeah, I probably had to do a little bit of chiseling to get into your vehicle this morning, if you're like me anyway. Let's get to your long weekend forecast. Weather is brought to you by train. The most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We had several hours last night and into this morning of light freezing rain reported at Pearson Airport and this was the result uh, some ice accretion. That's where the ice builds up on things like tree branches, on fences, on signs and on the grass and of course on your windshield too. Uh, Gone now is the freezing precipitation. We've had some flurry activity, lake effect snow today and some blowing and drifting in those gusty winds but uh, the temperature We reached our daytime high today at about midnight, and it's been cold ever since. Here's a current look at the satellite and radar. We'll widen out to show you where the freezing rain is right now, and that's in through parts of Atlantic Canada, moving into Newfoundland for tomorrow. We have a calmer weather picture overall over the next couple of days. It's really not going to result in a whole lot of uh, precipitation from the sky, unless you're joining us from areas to the east of Georgian Bay. A little more snow in the forecast for you. But for us, calm overnight tonight. There's some sunshine that we're going to be waking up to tomorrow morning. Don't let it fool you. It is going to be a chilly start to the weekend. Then there's that light snow uh, for areas east of Georgian Bay. We see an increase in cloud cover as the day goes on on Saturday. Sunday is looking like a mostly overcast day. Another round of precipitation to our north. And then on the family day Monday, we too are going to see maybe a couple of rain showers, maybe some light flurries. It's once again uh, mixed precipitation in the forecast. Let's talk about tonight. Forecast low minus nine factor in those winds and it feels into the minus teens and we'll continue to feel that tomorrow morning then our temperature rebounds quite nicely to an afternoon high of three degrees again some sun but then expect an increase in cloud cover as the day goes on. Uh, likely staying below freezing in places like Perry Sound, Bancroft, Orillia and Peterborough, but nicely above uh, freezing and above seasonal in places like Niagara Falls, Hamilton, Waterloo. Let's take you through the seven-day forecast. So long weekend looks good, a little bit of active weather as we make our way into Monday and Tuesday. Then through the middle part of next week, temperatures become a little more typical for this time of year. After a high of seven on Sunday, six on Monday, it's five degrees for your Tuesday and then we're below freezing back to seasonal as we make our way into Wednesday and Thursday also eyeing potential for the next low pressure system to move in at this point and so because of that colder air at this point it's looking like we could be in for some measurable snow but I'm going to keep an eye on things to make sure we don't get into some more icy precipitation once again that's your look at the forecast for now Nathan over to you
1: all right thank you Lindsay After the break, following the crushing health news about actor Bruce Willis, we take a closer look at his latest diagnosis and what medical experts say about the condition.
2: There has been an outpouring of support for Bruce Willis and his family after they revealed the actor has been diagnosed with a form of dementia. Loved ones share that news about the 67-year-old yesterday. A source tells People that Willis's family is closer than ever and working to create positive memories. His daughter, Scout LaRue, posted on Instagram that she is feeling emotionally tired and overwhelmed, but also very in awe of the love so many people have for her father. And while the Willis family appreciates all the love and support, their fight against aphasia and dementia begins.
1: Our health reporter Pauline Chan looks at the relationship between the two conditions and how his battle may lead to more research.
5: Course, get together, have a few laughs. He's known for playing fast-talking hey. smart owls. But for a year, Bruce Willis has been fighting aphasia, described as a communication and language problem. Due to damage to the portion of the brain that controls language. So speaking, expressing oneself in words, understanding what others are saying, and reading and writing. It can be caused by damage to the brain, like a stroke or injury, so encephalitis, this is, this is or even a tumor. And, and sometimes nervous. it's an indication it's of progressive of damage from dementia. Now Bruce Willis's family has announced that the 67-year-old actor has a particular type of dementia known as frontotemporal dementia, or FTD.
1: It's on the frontal lobe, part of your brain, and also the temporal lobes, which are the side parts.
5: Josh Armstrong of the Alzheimer's Society says these are the areas that control personality, executive thinking, and decision-making, as well as language. And the family has alluded to behavioral changes as well.
1: Some of the common
10: ones that we see might be like a disinhibited behavior, so you not, might not be able to control yourself or
5: restrain your actions. You might withdraw from communication and social aspects. You might lose interest in doing personal hygiene. FTD is considered more common in patients with young-onset dementia before age 65. There are no treatments for FTD, but there are strategies to help deal with the symptoms. For the aphasia, things like writing keywords or using drawings may help. But the most important thing, says Shumway, is encouraging patients to keep trying to communicate in whatever way they can. We teach a method called supported conversation for adults with aphasia, which is an evidence-based technique. And for the tens of thousands of Canadians living with FTD, the hope is that Willis's openness about his struggles will lead to more research and more understanding. Pauline Chan, CTV News.
1: A growing number of men are undergoing a grueling and expensive surgery to grow a few inches taller. That limb-lengthening trend is the focus of this weekend's W5.
2: Growing up in Montreal around his taller brother reinforced his belief that he was not enough, that taller was better.
6: I looked at him and I was like, I wish I was could be this tall, like I felt like I was too short. I started working out a
1: lot and, you know, comparing myself uh, to other people and I, I started being self-conscious about it, you know. In Leg Up, W5's Emory marie Medawake speaks with recipients and providers of the procedure to figure out how it works And why it's become so popular. And you can tune in for the full report tomorrow night on W5. It airs at 7 o'clock right here on CTV, right after our evening newscast.
2: Comedian Tina Fey starred in 2004's Mean Girls. Now she is reprising her role for a new version of the story. As my own personal form of punishment, I figured out how you're going to earn that extra credit. Faye also wrote the screenplay for the original and the script for the 2018 musical adaptation. Following its run on Broadway and a tour that stopped right here in Toronto, Mean Girls' The Musical is heading back to the big screen. Faye revealed last night that she will be back as math teacher Sharon Norbury, original star Tim Meadows, will return as the principal.
1: Pink is celebrating the release of new music. Music The singer's album Trust Fall came out today, a few weeks after she dropped the music video for the track of the same name. This is Pink's ninth studio album. She also announced plans for a tour, which will come to the Rogers Center in July. Stars Tonight
10: is brought to you by Last Man's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody family-friendly meal ideas Monday on
3: CP 24 breakfast get quick and easy recipes you can make together with the kids
6: CP 24 breakfast where Toronto gets its everything every morning
1: I leave with great hopes I leave with high spirits I leave with deep humility John Tory has resigned as Toronto's mayor leaving his office for the final time earlier this evening the unofficial campaign to fill his seat now begins with a growing list of potential candidates looking to be considered. I feel very bad for the students. I feel bad for the victims.
2: Two 17-year-old boys have been charged in connection with yesterday's shooting outside of Weston Collegiate. Police say the teens did not attend the school. They are now facing attempted murder and other firearm-related charges. The 15-year-old boy remains in hospital.
0: With COVID and stuff like that, I think we missed doing things like this you
1: No, know, for a few years, not being able to do shows. Toronto's auto show is back following a pandemic pause, and the pent-up demand is breaking attendance records. Among the choices were electric vehicles, with luxury options capturing the attention of many attendees.
2: In business, Air Canada sees clearer skies ahead in its post-pandemic recovery. With more, here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg.
12: Air Canada expects more travelers to take flight this year but some investors aren't on board with all that optimism. Air Canada shares plunged more than eight percent today after the company reported a bigger than expected adjusted loss in the final three months of last year. While demand was back the airline dealt with higher costs for catering and other services plus costs due to disruptions particularly from that wild winter storm. Higher costs than were expected. Still the airline plans to increase capacity this year to carry more passengers. Rogers is preparing for its proposed takeover of Shaw Communications to take a little longer. The telecom company's self-imposed deadline to get the deal done has become a moving target over the past couple of months. The companies are waiting for Canada's industry minister to approve or reject the deal. Earlier this week, Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne says he's not bound by that deadline. The telecom company's had hoped to close the deal by today, but they've now shifted that date to March 31st. And shoppers can judge a book by its cover on Indigo's temporary website, but buying that book is not possible. The retailer's full website was offline for more than a week following a cybersecurity incident. Now a temporary website is up and running for browsing only. Purchases can be made in store. Indigo says its investigation into the incident is underway, but not yet complete. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading lower, a tenth of a cent, to a little over 74 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil declined more than $2 to roughly $76 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select declined about $1.70 to $58 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX ended the trading week lower, falling about 90 points to 20,515.24. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg.
1: NBA All-Star Weekend gets underway tonight in Salt Lake City. The festivities begin with the Jordan Rising Stars game featuring the best rookies, sophomores, and G League players. The Raptors' Scotty Barnes will be taking part for the second year in a row. The action gets underway at 9. Pascal Siakam is the lone Raptor taking part in the main game after being named as an injury replacement. And Toronto's own Julie Black will be singing the Canadian national anthem.
4: This is for the culture. This is for the community. It's big in Black History Month. Um, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as a human, just everything. I'm so happy. Like, like This is a dream come true, literally.
2: Grammy nominee Jewel will sing the American national anthem. There will also be an Afrobeats-themed halftime show featuring Nigerian artists Burna Boy, Thames, and Rima. Post Malone will perform right before tip-off on Sunday evening in Utah.
1: Well, a couple of former all-stars who suited up for the Toronto Blue Jays will be going into the Hall of Fame this summer, and now we know what caps they'll be wearing. Fred McGriff's decided to go without a logo on his plaque to equally honour each of the cities where he played. McGriff thinks it's the best way to represent every place, including Toronto, where he got his start. Scott Rowland will appear on his plaque wearing a St. Louis Cardinals cap. He says it'll represent a pivotal part of his career. But Rowland expressed gratitude to the Jays and the other teams he played for. Talk about snail mail. Still ahead, the story about a long-lost letter and a very mysterious delivery.
11: there, Toronto, I'm Teddy Wilson.
7: And I'm Nicole Servinas. Welcome to Things to Know TO.
11: Each week, we shine a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA.
7: These companies are part of what makes Toronto one of the world's most vibrant cities and a great place to live, work, and play.
11: Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO.
12: And visit us online at thingstonowto.ca.
1: Well, this certainly doesn't qualify for express delivery. A letter mailed in the UK more than 100 years ago has finally arrived. It was written in 1916 by the daughter of a sea merchant who was on a holiday and addressed to the wife of a local stamp dealer. The current occupant in South London saw the year and assumed it meant 2016. But then he noticed the stamp featuring King George V. The local historical society thinks the letter may have been found behind some furniture during redevelopment of the former sorting office. Behind some furniture. Imagine that. That's the more interesting
2: story. Where has it been all this (laughs) time? Hard to believe. No Better late than never, right? No <laughs> kidding. Okay, one last look at the long weekend forecast and yes. despite this little cold snap, it's going to be not too bad. Yeah, you know what?
7: Uneventful for the first part of the long weekend anyway, and I think we'll take that after some pretty active weather this week. Uh let's begin with a look at what we're waking up to tomorrow morning. On the one hand, it's going to be chilly, wind chill into the minus teens. On the other hand, we're going to have some sun and enjoy that because the cloud cover will increase as the day goes on. So here's your Saturday and Sunday forecast. Monday is warmer, but it's cloudier. Here's your family day Monday forecast. Yeah, we have a little bit of active weather in store, maybe some rain showers, maybe some flurries, but again, a high of six degrees. And that is a look at the seven-day forecast. Nathan and Sarita. Thank you, Lindsay. And be sure to join Heather Wright tonight at 11 for CTV National News,
2: followed by our next local newscast at 1130.
1: In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca.
2: For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching. Have a good night. We'll see you at 11.30.
1: Good night.